Namaste and welcome to another episode of the Bharat Vartha podcast. I'm Roshan Karyapa and today in the studio we have Neil Varate who is uh, a journalist with the Mint and also a f- newly published author. Uh, he's written this fantastic book on Rakesh Junjunwala, uh, The Big Bull of the Last Street. We're going to talk to him about his articles on personal finance which I really enjoy and also this very interesting book. Uh, hey Neil, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of your articles. I read them uh, almost on a weekly basis and we'll talk about that. But um, how did the book come about? So uh, there are two reasons really. One reason is that to me, uh, if there is any one person, if you close your eyes and you have to think, name one person who symbolizes the Indian investor's dream, it would be Rakesh, clearly. The more immediate trigger was his passing away last year. And uh, there was a surge of interest in him and his life. And we thought, you know, who better to document. And the, thing, the funny thing is, there's been no serious attempt before to write a biography of India's greatest investor. I think there was this one book called The Wizards of uh, Dalla Street, uh, which briefly mentions him yeah, right, along yeah. with a bunch of others. Correct. Uh, but you're right. I mean, there is nothing of a biography as such. I also like how the book is put together. As, as I was saying, right? I mean, it's not a pure 100% biography. Uh, so a third of the book uh, talks about Rakesh's life. And then the rest of the book delves on some of his hits and misses, uh, what he got right, uh, the things he didn't get wrong, uh, right. Uh, and then, you know, finally, we end with what you can learn from him, right? So was that also like a conscious uh, choice to sort of focus on value for the average investor? That's right. So we focus on not only what you can learn from him, but what you should not learn from him also. Because there's a bunch of stuff that he did, which the average investor should not emulate. So you're right. It was was meant to deliver value to the average investor. So in your opening comments, you know, you said uh, uh, Rakesh is perhaps the investor, right? I mean, the hallmark of perhaps one of the greatest Indian investors. And he's such a larger than life figure. Uh, his interviews are something that I would really look forward to um, on various business uh, uh, TV and so on. Um, but if you were to step back and talk about him as a, his significance, right? I mean, what is his significance in uh, India? His significance is that anybody without a grand inheritance can through dint of skill, luck, make it big, really big in the stock market. So if you think of him starting out with 5,000 rupees, ending up with a fortune of more than 35,000 crores, it's, I mean, it's one in a million, I don't know, one in a billion people who can achieve that kind of track record. Now, of course, there are ifs and buts, there are holes along the way. So for example, although he began with a very small personal capital, he did borrow money from his brother's clients. His brother is a CA and, uh, you know, that set off, that gave him an advantage. But all of us, nobody's perfect. All of us have some advantages and we lever them up to to make more of ourselves. Right. But yeah, I mean, it was also highly leveraged as well, right? I mean, yes, I mean, he got started with our 5,000, but it was highly leveraged. Uh, and he made this uh, money over a period of 25, 30 years, which is also uh, something fantastic. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, because if you work out what the CAGR was, it is, I mean, I have to go back and check the figure, but I think it's some insane in 30 something percent, uh, which nobody can get. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. 
um and i think you know uh, often uh, the media called him the warren buffett of india but i think if you think about just in terms of time invested right i mean warren buffett uh, was has been in the market for i think 78 70 years or something i mean he's probably closer to 95 something right now he's been investing since the time he was 15 or 16 so he's been in the market for maybe three times two and a half three times what uh, uh, rakesh ji was right so that's an unfair con- uh, comparison i would say uh, and also he was such a heterodox right i mean he is perhaps one of those few people who could invest and trade yeah, uh, yeah. right uh, and the mindsets for each of these is so vastly different i mean anyone who has you know tried to do either of these will tell you that it's very very different right how did he do this so um, in fact the funny thing is that he could invest and trade in the same stocks which is like the next level of craziness so how did he do it so he himself would explain it by saying that his trading style was all momentum as is the case with most traders i think whereas his investing style was value driven that's when he would go talk to the company management he would look at the valuation of the stock he would look at the prospects for the company the moat of the company but when it came to trading it was whatever was trending in the market <laughs> yeah i mean and he had this um, of his many uh, sayings i mean bab bhagwan che right yeah. i mean you would say uh, <laughs> correct so what you buy is important but at what price you buy is a lot more important uh, but yeah i mean it's baffling to me that you know how you could invest and trade in the same stock you you talk about a few of his um, you know greatest hits whether it's titan crystal uh, and the rest right what did he have like a framework for evaluating some of these stocks because some of his decisions were very intuition driven right i mean it was very intuitive like he's quoted to have said invest first and investigate later on some of these things right? and 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 he did uh, with titan for example to his great benefit and with uh, dhfl to his great detriment he met the promoter on a flight and within a few hours he seems to have made a decision there but in terms of his style so we've written it uh written it out in the book in some detail just to summarize in two points is essentially this that he would look at the scope of the company to grow he needed he won't go for mature companies like right? he would want companies Small that have yeah well. lots of runway and um, whether there's a moat is something unique that will take the company there right and that's it right that's i mean that's it as uh, simple as that <laughs> do you want to talk about i know you mentioned this in the book but do you want to talk about for instance given an in, example of let's say titan or crystal in terms of exemplifying this approach so titan is gets interesting because the legend has it that he went and bought titan in 2002 when it was at a multi multi decade low 32 rupees and then held it for a long long time so this is probably true but not the whole truth because we found an article by a, a, a in the hindu business line by a, a titan executive which said that rakesh was an investor in titan way back in the 1990s when it was going nowhere and uh, back then titan had a foray in europe they were only selling watches they had not pivoted to jewelry and they were not making substantial profits but he seems to have held on for all those years and uh, it shows us that he was more patient than we think i mean as it is buying in 2002 is a lot of patience but it's even more than that yeah 
and he continued to buy right i mean maybe starting out uh, at around the 30 price mark he also went up to 100 150 and so on and famously held it uh, till it went to maybe 2700 something right yeah even at his death titan yeah. was a huge part of his portfolio yeah that's something that you know i mean i keep coming back to it right i mean as a trader it must you must feel that itch right that itna sara i mean you have gained the uh, you know valuation on that right uh, how can you still hold on but that's uh, that's something amazing about uh, rakesh right i mean he did that for multiple of his stocks in fact the best of his uh, stocks yeah and you know i i mentioned you know warren buffett as well but if you compare him with let's say george soros or peter lynch any of the you know legendary investors as such i think his story is unique in the sense that he was investing obviously in a very sort of a different market right india i mean the us in us is a lot more mature way bigger than uh, india and so the amount of money that you could make here as well uh, in comparison to the us was very different uh, but any other characteristics that kind of set him apart from other investors so there are different things that he did at different points of time in his life you know in the early days i think being in mumbai being in physically close to the stock market conferred some advantages he would say that he would stand outside the market and not tell people that he was an income tax officer's son for obvious reasons and that's around that time he met his mentor uh, or his guru radhakrishnan damani and also ramesh damani who had come back from the us and you know that in in those early years he was taking those super aggressive trading bets so he was a different person in the 1990s uh when he was going up with harshad mehta bull market then shorting it then in the late 90s doing nothing because the market did nothing and uh, even when the tech boom came finally he did not participate he didn't understand tech stocks so it's difficult to sort of draw one sort of strand which says this is him and different from others it is him doing different things at the right time in the market yeah i think is quality of doing what is necessary right i mean uh, given the circumstance was the greatest thing uh, like you mentioned i mean for a large period after the whole uh, harshad mehta thing i mean he was quiet uh, then from the the, the 2001 to uh, the period after that i mean he was again you know sort of he had made a few bad bets and he was again under the uh, radar per se right uh, so it's not like someone who is like compulsively acting on every piece of information uh, and so on so i think he he also i think in many of his interviews he recognized that the market is like you know is is, is the boss right no matter what you think about it you mentioned you know radhakrishnan uh, dhamani of course he had all these legendary friendships as well right uh, he did and that really informed his opinion on a few things and it's it's like he, he was a trader investor and also i mean he was an entrepreneur with akasha right i mean sad that he didn't uh, sort of Correct. live to Correct. see it through that's right and the funny thing is that these friendships although they were strong you don't see too many similarities in the portfolios of radhakrishnan and him very different yeah and radhakrishnan's fortune came from dmart it didn't come from making big investments in the stock market right 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 to summarize you know what can the average investor learn from rakesh junjunwala so i would say two things one is that um, his incredible long term outlook i mean now it's become popularized we think superficially it's easy to stay put but it is you have to fight against yourself and that's that's the hardest battle to fight and he he seems to have conquered himself in that in that direction 
as the titan example shows right they're from the 1990s the other is bullishness on india this gets a little complicated because we often mix our political views with views on market and personality comes in um so i am for example almost a pathological pessimist so i can't hold too much equity in in my portfolio but rakesh had that crazy optimism yeah so 98% of his uh, wealth was in equities yeah yeah correct insane <laughs> correct correct and he had it at a time when there was no real reason to be optimistic about india 2002 what was india doing that was so different uh, we were just coming out of the dot com bust actually because by then the tech bubble had crashed so in the in india the version of it was the tmt tech media telecom boom and that had crashed so he was optimistic through it all and you have to give him credit for that right i think his last few interviews were some of his best uh, right i think i still remember that quote he says uh, ab hamara time aa gaya hai right <laughs> i mean i think it was at the india india today conclave or something of that sort this optimism for india and this bullishness right where did it come from i mean like you mentioned you know 2002 2010 etc right i mean where did that sort of optimism come from it's difficult to say i don't know if it's related but rakesh hardly ever traveled abroad hmm i remember uh, shankar sharma telling me this uh, that shankar traveled a lot and um, he he'd always point out that rakesh has hardly been outside mumbai forget outside india so maybe i mean we normally say that you should travel to broaden your horizons but maybe his insularity had something to do with it right right so uh, what was the process of uh, putting this book together i mean you have two other uh, co-authors as well uh, prajita sharma and aditya kundawar yeah what was the process of putting together this book and what do you hope it will achieve so uh, prajita is a fellow financial journalist uh, she used to work at economic times and then business today and uh, she's tracked him since 2014 so she was able to connect us with a lot of stock brokers who knew him and aditya um, is a works for a wealth management firm now um, he's been in the financial market in different capacities before this and he's particularly known for his ipo analysis on twitter they used to absolutely catch the public imagination so he was very good for so we've devoted one entire part for the stock analysis right the winners and the losers so he went through the balance sheets the financial statements to figure out what is it that made those companies tick right Yeah I think uh, I I find that interesting right the second half of the book where you talk about each of these stocks and uh, talk about the journey of the the company because on hindsight I mean it looks obvious right I mean take Titan for example hey you know India is growing consumer demand is increasing and here are these people selling uh, you know the new India uh watches and eyeglasses and what not right I mean it seems obvious uh, but then to have seen it in the 80s uh like you said when you know when this was a whole failed european experiment and so on i mean requests some amount of foresight right a, a Massive, lot of foresight. <laughs> yeah 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 and and crystal also i mean crystal like credit rating for example right who even thought that was a business uh, when you know the market wasn't as mature correct, uh, correct. it's so a tiny market yeah exactly right one with lot of regulatory capture as well you have only a handful of you know companies operating in that 
uh, and the way they've built their businesses through acquisitions and so on it's uh, it's phenomenal so yeah i mean um, to folks who are listening who are watching i highly recommend this book uh, it's a fantastic read it's also a short enough read that you can perhaps finish it in you know one or two sittings and if you are like me who love rakesh junjunwala's wisdom and who pretty much has uh, covered the internet for a, any video uh, you can find of him on youtube this is a nice uh, think of it as a greatest hits uh, compilation right i mean you get to <laughs> relive some of uh, you know rakesh ji's quotes uh, and more importantly you can also learn from his decision making also what to do and what not to do so i highly recommend the book so let's talk about the other side of you which is the whole personal finance and uh, you know being a journalist as such right how did this interest in finance start i mean it's 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 not something that we're taught uh, yeah. as children right i mean in fact you know we're we're asked to sh- shun that conversation yeah, when we talk yeah. about money as kids and so yeah. on so most of us learn uh, all of this stuff post you know post facto right i yeah. mean either through growing up or something of that sort but how did your interest in personal finance start yeah yeah the short answer is through one of the oldest ways that kids pick up things it's when the parents tell them to so my parents are actually doctors they are not oh. in the financial markets but i think they probably saw that this kid is lying around the house not doing anything i mean i was studying law back then but not contributing to the family so they were like you might as well figure out um, something on money and help us manage our investments so that was the genesis of it and well props to them that you know they kind of trusted you with the yeah yeah know, yeah i mean in hindsight i don't know what the hell they were thinking <laughs> i was a teen not a late teenager you might say 18 19 amazing yeah and then that's how you started writing about it no 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 so i didn't directly get there so i was studying law back then as i said and i thought that i have to study it first and so after i finished my law degree i did the craziest thing in the world nobody should do what i did um which is go and do another degree in economics and uh, then a postgraduate uh, qualification in finance and then i began my career right uh and you've been with the mint for how long now almost 5 years 5 years so i i find uh, you know your editorial choice is very interesting right because at some level you can think hey everything that you can talk about with respect to personal finance has already been done right i mean has been written has been uh, spoken about and so on and yet every week somehow you bring up this new topic that is of ama- that that's very interesting right for instance i never knew that you know this whole there is this rsu taxation uh, liabilities and so on right or us stocks for example what is the implication of that and so on how do you decide the editorial calendar and so on yeah so i made a conscious choice to broaden the horizon of personal finance partly because i was also getting bored of writing the same things over and over again and there is a lot more to our lives than just which mutual fund to buy or which stock to invest in and it is these less known things and hard to write about things because getting the information is not easy yeah that i wanted to really dig into and explore so the rsu thing um we were lucky a couple of ca's approached us and told us about there's this issue you, sh- you guys should pick it up and um us stocks again quite similar uh, although us stocks was in the back of my mind because if you remember the 2021 wave mm. a lot of fintechs uh, were yeah. prom- promoting that influencers were promoting that correct and not saying a word and i always thought i mean just to hark back to what rakesh uh, junjunwala used to say right i mean he would say that you know everything is a buffet in india right why would you, why would i even bother looking at uh, assets outside yeah. of india yeah yeah correct 
So this 2021 wave came and and these guys were promoting it, not saying a word about the tax implications of Correct. it, which are quite draconian. You and if you get that form wrong, if you miss out something, you get the full force of the black money law on right. it. So that was another motivation that we sh- at least we should educate people about it. Now, as far as investing abroad goes, so my stand is a bit nuanced. So yes, I mean the tax laws on it are indeed draconian, but that doesn't take away the case for investing abroad. For example. the mutual fund that i invest in which is parak parik has a significant share of its corpus in us stocks because there those companies you simply won't find counterparts in india the googles the apples of the world there is no other option yeah, yeah of course yeah uh, and and a lot of its alpha comes from there so i think one should definitely invest but before doing so just be cognizant of all of the red tape that applies particularly when you do it direct But, yeah exactly doing it through a mutual fund is different is versus yeah. directly investing in a facebook or a correct. apple right correct yeah yeah so you've been writing you know for the last 5 years and how have you seen the attitude of the indian investor change in this time because i think it's a long enough time period that you would have seen some kind of a trend right and especially i think um, you know post covid we saw a record number of demat accounts open uh and so on but but still you know maybe about 4% of india still invest in uh, uh equities and invest in the market in some form how have you seen the attitudes of the indian investor change in this time massively massively the amount of interest that's come into especially stocks especially equities not just among young people earning their first salaries you know techies but even older people who were wedded to real estate and gold for so long finally throwing in the towel and saying actually no we mm. should put some money into stocks right right yeah i think that has been a very key shift right and uh, also i mean props to the the new age stock uh, brokers as well right yes. uh, zero the grow and the others i think uh, they made it a lot more simpler i mean i can i can't imagine operating my you know whatever banks uh, demat yeah. interface <laughs> now no i mean it seems uh, it seems like an ancient uh, thing right yeah although the funny thing is now the banks are responding uh, yeah they, they're trying to up their game yeah so if a young person were to come to you let's say you know probably in their first job and um, you know say that hey neil i mean you write this column on personal finance give me the 101 right give me the tldr of you know investing what should i be doing three things i should do or maybe a couple of things i should avoid how would you summarize your investing advice so i would say that um you know you probably heard it before as well as simple as buying an index fund and forgetting about it there's no need to do anything fancy to go try and pick your own stocks because you will be putting pitting yourself against fund managers with um a lot of expertise and not just that um they also fail well. yeah they also fail to beat the market so if they can't do it why on earth would you right uh so spy low cost index fund and hold be patient that's what rakesh did and just be aware of the people who come to you whether it's virtually whether it's the influencers on various platforms or whether it's physically your society uncle who's an insurance agent or your bank relationship manager they all have something to make of you right right yeah any books that you would recommend i mean uh, i think monica halan's book uh, let's talk money is a great it's a great primer yeah 
yeah i mean and i actually that's the perhaps the only book you need really you know um uh, i we had her on the podcast maybe a couple of years ago and yeah amazing i mean i've summarized uh, the book in about a page or so and i keep referring that often enough right how to buy insurance how, where to invest mutual funds and mm-hmm. so on in fact i mean she has a new book out on mutual funds uh, so we'll probably have uh, monica ji on the podcast uh, shortly you brought up influencers and they've become a sort of a very prominent feature today right i mean you have them talking about all kinds of things whether it is crypto or uh, you know uh, how to invest how to pick uh, stocks or technical analysis whatever else right and uh, i i do feel that they are performing an important uh, role i mean they are informing people but also it's a bit like the wild west right i mean you you have anything and everything uh, and and i find it a bit of a contrast because on the one hand i mean you know on tv you you can only say mutual fund sahi hai yeah. <laughs> right you can't even you know sell your financial product uh, whereas i mean on youtube and so on you have these folks dishing out all kinds of stuff right yeah. so what do you make of the role of inf- influencers and and do you think that you know they should be regulated and so on yeah 100% so the contradiction is that if you are a sebi registered investment advisor you are subject to a stringent advertising code all kinds of things statements you make in public have to be prefaced with risk disclaimers and usually approved by a body called bsl to which you have to pay money mm-hmm. like that is the re- level of uh, restriction that you are under with influencers you can say anything absolutely anything and that's a problem for a couple of reasons so one reason is that a lot of influencers make money through something called affiliate marketing right where they have links of brokers below their videos and they have arrangements with brokers where they will get a cut out of every single trade that you do and you generate a commission from the broker so you there's a cycle then because then they make a video to incentivize you to trade more and then they get a bigger cut and so on whether or not you make any profits and there was a sebi report which showed that 89% of fno traders don't yeah make profits the other thing I, they i think it was probably more i mean it said something like less than 1% or less than 5% of people who trade actually make uh, money yeah yeah so like they went into sub divisions of it also but broadly 89% of fn do- don't the other way in which influencers make money is through selling educational courses quote unquote now these are not certified by anyone licensed by anyone they can say whatever and charge whatever again if you think of other disciplines like medicine for example right you have to go to a licensed medical college you can't just randomly learn about it and you have to go to a doctor to tr- for treatment you can't go to any random joe and say i need a kidney transplant can you do it and finance is arguably as uh, crucial to one's life as medicine is so there is a very strong argument for regulation of influencers and sebi is finally getting there yeah they are considering regulation right now right i mean yeah so influence. yeah so recently there was a press conference by the sebi chairperson in which she laid out two points of regulation she said that um, one we will stop any sebi regulated entity from associating itself with an unregulated entity whether it is through affiliate links whether it is through marketing arrangements whether it is through any other form so we'll stop this vicious circle of the trading and commissions and cuts the other thing she said is if you do an inducement to trade that again will fall foul of sebi so what is an inducement to trade something like saying uh join my course and you'll you'll make 20% for sure uh or this trade is almost a sure shot 50% whatever the wording is 
that is something that sebi will clamp down on it is a process because all all they're doing right now is um saying they will release a consultation paper on this for that to get final itself will take some time but it's a start and i'm really glad right yeah i think it's only fair um you know qualified financial advisors registered financial advisors are less than 2000 in india right i mean yeah yeah 1300 on paper and in practice some um, 800 and something which is crazy i mean for a country as big as ours 140 crore people yeah <laughs> right i mean uh, yeah i mean every sort of every mohalla every uh, city should have a bunch of uh, correct, these correct correct uh, just like you have a local doctor you should yeah. have a local in yeah. and instead i mean what we get are these relationship managers uh, and you know recently we we saw you know uh, one of the banks uh, oh <laughs> that was yes. crazy right i yes. mean they had their sales call and you know you saw the national sales manager or someone like berating his staff right and and then you wonder why these poor hapless folks uh, you know correct, uh, pitch you these products that make absolutely no sense right you lips at uh, you know 2% or 3% interest or you know correct, whatever correct correct so let me spend a minute explaining how rms or relationship managers make money which is that is always through commissions and so they will always pitch the product which has the highest commissions which is usually insurance in insurance you can have commissions going up to 35% of the correct. first year and everything is front loaded as well yeah yeah exactly if they can't sell you that then they'll think of other high commission products so if you are a rich guy then aif and pms will be pitched to you if you are a not so rich guy then they'll try to find the funds which are relatively paying more commissions the mutual funds one way or the other it is always in their incentive to extract the most value from you now within distributors as a community so all of these rms are distributors there are some independent distributors who do despite this uh commission structure who do right by their clients who have long term relationships with their clients and that's great but by and large the system that currently exists is there to extract value from investors from people rather than deliver it yeah i think uh, monica halan makes this point right that you know it it can't be a buyer beware market right it has to be a sort of a seller beware market in terms of financial misselling and all there is a huge cost to it uh, every time i walk into a bank and i see you know a bunch of old people getting advice from one of these folks i know what is being pitched at and it's a very sad thing right uh, i do hope there is some regulation on that front i mean any other kind of regulation uh, that you think will probably come into play in the coming few months and and also i mean like what are your thoughts on sebi in general right they've been saying i mean they should do more of something less of something so other than this ria influ- influencer issue i think sebi has done a really good job they've cleaned up the system massively there were times when even in mutual funds there were upfront commissions at one time there were even entry loads all of that sebi has got rid of it's fantastic the last two frontiers are are these that ria's ex- number of them has to be expanded by loosening up regulations there right now there are things like just to be a person associated with financial advice essentially an assistant ria you have to have a postgraduate degree in certain subjects and you have to have 2 years of experience and it's a cash 22 because how do you get the 2 years of experience unless you work for an ria then there's something else where they can't charge more than one quarter of fees now in many cases they are doing financial plans which are multi year in one go so for them it becomes unviable how on earth are they going to they going to charge for that so there there is a need for loosening and with influencers there is a need for tightening right 
all right uh, any upcoming projects that uh, we should know of uh, is there another book in the works there is there is indeed <laughs> it is with india's i'm not going to say the name but i think a lot of the listeners will probably guess who it is it is about um, india's greatest value investor the operative word is value okay interesting there's a bit of trivia for you to go and uh, check out and uh, also do buy this book it's a fantastic book definitely a lot of lessons uh, in here for you to learn follow neil on twitter uh, you're at neil burathe right no <laughs> that's the problem i made my twitter account back when i didn't know what twitter was about okay so <laughs> i am at actors day that's a- oh yeah correct a c t u s underscore d i d e i no 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 underscore a c t u s d e i which if you're curious about latin it means act of god <laughs> all right fantastic uh neil it was a pleasure hosting you on the podcast uh, thank you so much uh, it was a pleasure here. being here and uh, yeah we had fun thank you thank you